Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Product Confidential. Uh, this is a rather special episode as it is the last in our first ever series. Um, Evie is going to go away traveling, which we'll cover in a little bit. And I've got some major life events coming up. So we're going to have a little break after 11 amazing episodes in which we've had the opportunity to speak to some really cool people. So first of all, like, hi, Evie, how are you doing? Hey, I'm, I am good, but I'm still, I'm like sick again. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, I've been, I've probably had four or five colds this whole summer and I'm like, what is this? Again, just... absolute trooper for coming on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really but why, didn't, why is it like this every week? <laughs> True that. Um, so one of the things that we said that we're going to talk about is, um, yeah, reflections. As I mentioned, we've we've recorded eleven episodes. Not all of them have, have gone live at the point that we've uh, that we're having this chat today. But how has it gone from your perspective, Evie? Like reflections on setting up the podcast. What were your expectations? How's it been? Honestly, really good. Like obviously, between Michael and I had a chat probably four months ago now. We just met for a coffee and Michael casually dropped in the fact that it might be cool to do a podcast and here we are. And um, when we first thought about doing it, I thought, oh, it's going to be loads of work. And like, you know, I think I want to do it, but who knows if I'll love it. But actually every single chat that we've had has brought something different to the table. And it's been so interesting to speak to such a diverse range of people that specialize on loads of different areas of products. And it just really brings to light how different all product roles can be and how you can find different specialisms um and there's been a lot of common advice but everyone's had their own lens and their own perspective on it which I think makes it super special because one of the things that I really believe in is that you can really create a product career that works for you um and I think we've seen that be true in all of the chats that we've had so yeah really enjoyed that perspective and it's been great that we've obviously got a bunch of people that have been interested, engaged, have given us great feedback on the podcast um, and we're sharing useful insights that people like. So kind of beat my expectations. Yeah, that's really nice to hear. And I remember when I asked you, do you fancy doing the podcast? I was thinking, oh, should I have said that? Because I don't actually know if I want to do one. It might be loads of effort. And then you said, yeah. And I was like, right, let's just see how it goes. But I've absolutely loved it. I look forward to recording these, met some amazing people and really feel that um, I've grown in my own craft as a result of having these conversations, which is one of the things that we both said we wanted to get out of it. Um, you mentioned that there's been some common things that have come up across the guests. So what what would you say are things that we've heard uh, lots of people say? Um, the main thing that everyone loves about product is variety. I don't think mm -hmm. we've had a single different answer to that question. Um, mm -hmm. I might have to listen to them back and see if I'm wrong. Um, and then there's also been a lot of common themes in terms of product people getting burnt out quite a lot. Um, and it's something that I think a lot of people on the podcast talk about and there's things that they've learned from their own careers that they'll change and do differently. So hopefully there's some wise advice out there for people as well. Um, and then, yeah, there's just been a lot of common lessons on how you need to go through change and how to introduce things properly in teams um so yeah really useful interesting stuff yeah I think one of the things that has jumped out to me as well is about how many people have mentioned imposter syndrome uh -huh. as, as something that is is real in in the profession um and as you mentioned burnout which can sometimes be linked to it if you're feeling that way but I think there's also 
on the flip side, people have talked about that, but then they've also given their experience on how they've got through it or um, how they have supported other people going through it. So it's been really nice to see both sides of the coin. No, I agree. And I think that's what's great about this is if you get people's advice and lessons and learnings, and then it's things that we can all build on and go, yeah, okay, I can prevent that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So, okay. So as you said, this is going to be our last episode for a little while where we have a break. So Evie, what are you up to with your well-earned rest? I know it's been a busy summer um so I'm picking up my camper van this weekend and driving down to Europe um I've got two weddings to attend so my plans are kind of dictated I have to poor me um go to Zurich and go to Malaga so that's the general route that we'll be taking and then after we get back to Zurich we'll see how long we stay in Switzerland for and then we'll eventually make it back to the UK um and then after that I need to book my flight ASAP and um, we're flying to Chile for the winter so not quite sure what all of my timelines look like at the moment which is why it's really hard for me to make any plans whether that's work or or social but it's not a bad position to be in is it no it's brilliant it's uh I for one am looking forward to your LinkedIn uh updates to see to see how life's treating you it sounds like you're gonna have a hoot though yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, we'll see how the Wi-Fi in the van works, but I'm really looking forward to the change and waking up somewhere, hopefully beautiful with nice weather every day. Um, and then, yeah, I think Chile will be nice. The plan is to stay there for a few months so I can get a bit more settled. But as ever, enjoy a bit of what would be winter in the UK. Enjoy a bit of sun abroad. And what about you, Michael? So, um, yeah... I've got currently um our daughter Maeve who's just turned nine months today and in November uh, it'll be her first birthday but not long uh before her first birthday uh, we're going to be having a second daughter um so yeah I suppose we're just like getting ready for that although I say getting ready for it it's like with, with uh with Maeve we had all these apps like oh the baby's the size of an egg the baby's the size of a kitten with this one, it's more like, oh, we're having a baby in a couple of months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, know, I feel like sometimes you forget. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, so, yeah, like absolutely love this first year of a parent, as being a parent. Um, been a big year of change that like we moved house, had had children for the first time, changed jobs. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to to seeing what comes with, with, with having our second daughter. Can't wait. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, come at a good time for having a break with the podcast. Though I think I'll have my hands full. Do you think? Um, in some ways, I don't know if it'll also be easier because you know, like you'd have a child, and then it might be a couple of years until you have another one, and then you've outgrown all of this stuff and whatever. But hopefully, you could. You've just already got everything ready. You've just not cleared it up. <laughs> well, that was the plan. It was like let's have them close together. We didn't plan them being quite as close together as panned out, but such is life. But at least it's like, let's get all the sleepless nights out the way. Um, and then it's it's done. Apparently, I've heard some people say that the hard thing is going from no children to one. But then you're kind of like in the groove. So going from one to two isn't as hard. Uh, I don't know if they're just being kind to me, though, and, and saying nice things. I'll, I'll let everyone know. Yeah, but you yeah. can't them out. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
no it sounds perfect there I think that's a super exciting time and like you say timing wise it's nice to take a bit of time off and really make the most of spending your time with your family and make sure Maeve appreciates a birthday still <laughs> yeah no definitely but also I think it's nice that we'll have a break have some time out of it and then um, plan for series two when, when we're ready and then get some more guests on. There's loads of people that I want to speak to, loads of people who have got in touch and shown interest and maybe get some some guests back because there were some conversations that we could have gone on for, for hours and hours, but uh, for the sake of everyone's time, we cut it short. So yeah, it'd be great to get people back on. Yeah, no, my list of people that I want to speak to just keeps growing and growing. So I'm really excited. I, I will be really excited. I already am. But it, like you say, always having a bit of a break, a bit of a reset, a bit of a reflection and then being able to come back is always great. So what we thought we'd do in this episode is um, we asked people if you have any questions uh, for us. So Evie and I have both put some things out on our social media and we've had some really great questions back. So uh, Evie, do you want to kick us off with one of the first questions? I will. So we had an amazing question that came in from Natalie. And Michael, I know this is something that you spoke about before, which has probably sparked the interest. But the question was around um, how you set goals for your first 30, 60, 90 days in product. Um, So let us know how you managed to do that when you moved to the BBC. Yeah, sure. So I don't know exactly how many days I've been at the BBC now. Someone better at maths. You don't keep a counter? No, 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 no. Someone better at maths can tell me. I started mid-May and it's now uh, coming up to the end of August. So I don't know. Maybe I've done 90, maybe I'm not. But about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Evie's just told me I've done it. So yeah, I've done it. What have I done in these 90 days? So I didn't really set myself targets like by day X, I want to have done this. By day X, I want to do this. But I did have a general plan going in um, and it's one that I've done before when I've changed other roles and that is for the first two weeks, possibly three weeks, like don't be trying to change anything. Um, You only get like one chance to make a first impression and you don't get that chance again. You don't get that time again. So um. I decided that, yeah, I was going to consciously obviously be new, find out about the organization, get on board with all the tooling, all that basic stuff. But the most important thing was to meet my team um, and also meet the stakeholders um, and, and people outside of my team, like leadership, who are going to be important in the role and and dedicate the time to that. And I think that, um, I think that that's, in my opinion, like a really vital part of of joining an organization because the temptation is to start trying to prove your worth straight away. You want who doesn't want to come in and, and start, you know, doing well in a new job. It's it's human nature. And sometimes there's a temptation to go, oh, we did something better in my old place. So I'm gonna put this change in right away. But I think two things happen with that. One you know, you're at risk of putting people's backs up because people, no one wants to hear about that person who's coming from a new company and like, oh, we did it like this in my old job. And it's like, we don't care about your old job. They're like, oh, you drank it to me, did you? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a warning sign. As soon as someone says it back to you. So I didn't want to be, uh, I didn't want to be that person, which you clearly don't mind being that person. But um, in that, I I also wanted to get to know people. I think 
in my opinion you know there's loads of conversations about what makes a good product manager and you know there's all things about frameworks or you know how to prioritize I think all that stuff can be taught but what you what you maybe can't teach as easily is relationship building and actually making people know that like you value them and then not being fake like oh yeah I'm, I'm gonna really work at this relationship like just try and be authentic and, and show interest in people and by doing that like a lot of the job is trying to get the best out of people and you need to be a person that people feel safe with and, and want to work for so yeah long way of saying first two weeks of just meeting people and trying to make a good impression and finding out as much about them as possible like listening to them um but what that period what I actually did when I met people I put in a bit of structure around it so it was like like a mini uh interview with them in which I asked three basic questions which is as well as like just general chat and getting to know people like you know, what are your hobbies and and whatnot just you know on a personal level the actual interview bit that I went into afterwards asked three main questions which was um what is this team's superpowers um, what challenges or obstacles does this team face and what do you need from me as a product manager that will make your life easier and as I had a Miro board where I was dropping down like key quotes that people were saying and also as I was going through documentation um, I was you know a saving that and so I had like a, a record of all the things that had been sent but also pulling out any bits that I had questions over or things that I thought like oh that might be really important and um, I, I worked with someone at DFE um, called Debbie Kitchen, who was a brilliant uh, service designer who I worked with. And she introduced me to this concept of a murder wall, which is like, do you know, if you see on like, you know, police dramas and they've got this big wall where they've got all the suspects and they've got a little poster. Yeah, yeah. All the Blind string going across did. it. Yeah. yeah. It's like trying to make a version of that way. The, the case that you're trying to solve is what the heck is going on in this new job um and like yeah any little bits of information you receive so I had like a, a digital version of that just um, maybe needs a new name not a murder wall yeah yeah good point good point something a bit more PC um but I I called it a murder wall it, just in my own head anyway um but with that just like pulling down any information from these interviews I did with people but also yeah anything I found that was of interest and what that allowed me to do was after about three or four weeks, I decided I was going to do two things. One of them being to start getting more involved. So not coming in to change things like, right, I've seen all this stuff and now I want to do it this way. But like getting involved in ceremonies and asking like, oh, can I run this session or can I have a go at doing that? And showing that I was like, you know, wanting to dip my toe in and, and take a bit of ownership. And people were happy for me to do that. And, and that felt good to start like offering a bit of value. But then I also um, collated everything that I'd heard back and I took some time um, percolating on that really and, and thinking, well, out of the things that I've heard, what does it sound like we need to do? And I think what I then did was make myself um, make myself a little roadmap, not so much for the company or the product or, or, or anything like that. Like, this is where we're going to be, but like an, a roadmap for me, like, what do I want to do in the short term? What do I want to do in the long term? And I had that list and it was um, stuff like, you know, 
get more involved in design systems, understand like how what they are, how they work. I've not worked with a design system before, uh, or understand what data we need to to be measuring. Um, try and get a better understanding for how we can get more user research into the team than than we do currently. How can we make the team more aligned so UX and dev aren't siloed, which some of the people told me. So I made this little plan of what my priorities were. And then I think most importantly, what I did then was play that back to the team. Like I had had a a session and, and I said to them, one of the reasons I'm doing this is because I really value transparency and I like to let people know this is what I'm thinking as a product manager, that doesn't mean I'm right, uh, but I'm telling you these things now so that if I'm well off course, someone can help correct me and say like, oh no, we don't want to do that thing because of this, or we've tried that in the past and it failed because of this. Or alternatively, if what I'm saying feels right, like I'd welcome that feedback and 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 know that I'm kind of going in this in the right direction because you you will have more domain knowledge than I will at this point and and I'd like you to be on board or telling me where I'm wrong. And that went really well, I feel. And what's been really nice, um, one of the things that the team told me that they needed, everyone was saying that we need some help with prioritization. So it was like, right, okay, I can do that. Made up a prioritization framework. They had like a load of different tasks like on a board and they were like, oh, we don't know which of these initiatives we should do. So it was like, right, let's prioritize these as a team, prioritize them. And then it kind of felt like I'd added a bit of value I'd taken a bit of pressure off because we knew what we were doing for this quarter and the quarter afterwards. And that then let me step back a little bit and then start understanding more about the business, but then also focusing on like my long-term plans, uh, knowing that the team had got what they needed from me in the short term. And I think, um, I, I feel that now I'm just starting to hit a point where I've seen enough of the team, seen enough of like the situation that we're in to start actually thinking, right, in my mind, I'm starting to get an idea for what the long-term product strategy should be. So not my personal roadmap strategy, but where I'd like to take uh, the product. I'm going to start getting those ideas down on paper um, and bringing the team into it in the same way that I did with my like, personal roadmap. But yeah, I think that's been my approach in the first 90 days. And they've not got rid of me yet. Although I'm still in my probation period, so maybe they're going to just get a bit more out of me and then give me the heave We'll see. But it seems to have worked so far. No, I think you're doing all right. And it sounds even sometimes it's subconscious, but you end up with this really conscious way of moving through that kind of process. And I think some of the most important bits that you highlighted there were that we have this tendency to want to get involved and add impact straight away. But sometimes we can add more impact by just sitting back and reflecting and working out which battles really need fighting and which ones don't um and I also like the fact that you really spend time getting to know the team and asking them those questions I think that's super key to really understanding what's going on and also starting a relationship off on the foot where people know they can have open and honest conversations with you and have that transparency like it's a great way to show how you work throughout so sounds like you've nailed it well thank you and and I think as well like that early time with the team I've been in some teams where they've maybe had bad experiences with product managers and they like think that the product manager could be there to like tell people what to do or can be a bit of a, an ego and like you know we've all met product managers like that and I, I try and use that time at the start to kind of show that my approach isn't that way like I am happy to make decisions when we need them but ideally I'd like it to be like a collegiate 
are fair and we're all aligned and we're all going in the same direction and I want us to shape this together. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a great way of showing that. But what about yourself? Have, have you, how have you found joining new teams? Do you know what? I was thinking about it and I was like, well, I don't really join new teams and that is kind of true now, but obviously I join new companies all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily need to do as much of the getting the details of the product and understand what's going on, but the same kind of things in terms of having the right conversations with the right people and really understanding their gripes and where they want to focus, because I can always come up with my own observations. But when that aligns with what everyone else is thinking, it's far easier to get that momentum and that buy-in. So understanding that stuff at the start and seeing if I've missed anything, I think is super helpful. Um, so yeah, I always spend the first, I mean, my 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 period now is always way quicker. It's like spend the first day having conversations, get straight stuck in straight away. Um, but then I think the point that you're making as well around that roadmap that you have for yourself. I kind of have that for myself, but it's also the way that I frame it is that it's more of my vision as to how they can mature in product. So it's having all of those conversations and spending a bit of time observing what's going on and then drawing that up into a plan because like, I always want to go in and solve all of the problems at once. And that's just not possible. It's Mm. like, okay, which one's the most important? Where will we get the most value by improving a certain area? If that's some processes or if that's, improving a strategy or if that's changing the way that teams use roadmaps for example identifying where we're going to have the most impact to start off with and then what changes can come further down the line um i think is a super important exercise so yeah I probably that's, that. that's so true like one of one of the mistakes i think i've made uh, in this new team is when we did that prioritization there was like a list of about 15 things that we could do and we prioritized it and we decided for this quarter we were going to do five and it, it felt achievable and to be honest it has been achievable like I think we will do the majority of the initiatives we've committed to there may be like one or two that we pause um, we'll see but what I've learned and that is it's so hard to get team focus when there's lots of different plates spinning but I think maybe I came in wanting to be like yeah we can do all these things and now it's like the next quarter it's like we'll definitely just be doing two yeah. and, and having more focus around it. So yeah, I completely agree with wanting to solve all the problems. And I think I've learned from my own experience this time that like, no, just try and solve the ones that move the needle the most. Yeah. And I'm always like, this is what I always say in product management, as long as we're learning from these things and reflect and then make a change next time around, that's mm-hmm. the best thing you can do as a product manager. Yeah, cool. Well, um, so I've got a question for you now. This one came from one of our previous guests, uh, Adele, who asks, have you ever taken a risk in product strategy decisions and found it's really paid off or has the opposite happened and it hasn't paid off? Yeah, I saw this question and I was like, hmm, have I ever taken a risk? And I was like, no, actually, not even necessarily personally, but I've been in organisations where we've done so. Um but sometimes it has felt like a risk and sometimes it hasn't. So I think it's very rare in product that someone will go totally rogue and take a total left field bet. You've usually got some kind of evidence that you're on the right track and you're doing the right thing. Um, So sometimes when you're in the detail, it doesn't feel like a massive risk. Um, But there's a few different examples. So I once worked on a team where we were basically created 
to go and do something completely different. And this is when I worked at booking.com. So the conversion rates are already amazing there. There's been a load of CRO. The website works extremely well. But we were kind of tasked with working out some real key problems to solve that we might not have solved yet. And we managed to identify some opportunities where we'd be like, okay, conversion rates are half um, what the normal conversion rate is if a customer goes down a certain journey. And then we tried to solve those problems and tried to do it in a bit more of a risky big bang, get some new stuff out there and see what happens kind of way. Um, and it's safe to say it didn't work. <laughs> And I think, so in that example, I think it's impossible to try and take, when you're already working on something that's performing so well, trying to deviate from that, it's very rare that you're going to be successful. But if you can identify something that is new, but on the right line, so if it's new market opportunities or trying to expand to a new customer, but it's a really good customer fit, then it might still seem like a risk, but actually it's fine. Um, because you've already got evidence that it might work so that's one part of it um, but I've also worked for a client recently who has basically generated a whole new strategy about how they want to serve their customers um, which means creating a whole new website trying to reach a brand new audience so it's everything not just in terms of product but in terms of marketing and everything else that sits around it so Evie's just uh, had someone come in, so that's uh, that's the first time that's happened. On the Look, I'm giving him such a glare, <laughs> trying to be in my product flow. <laughs> um, it says my door's open because it's really warm today. Um, so yeah, in this example, where this client's basically working through something that's brand new, again, that is a complete risk, and we don't know exactly how it's going to go yet because they've not launched. But when they do, there's already been research that they've done up front to say this is what we think the right opportunities are and why. And there's a whole business case behind it and it makes sense from a business point of view. Whether the bets that we've taken from a product point of view to try and serve that customer are the right ones and the ones that will work um, is what we'll need to figure out. But again, you kind of de-risk that when you work in product by going, OK, we've got these opportunities. These are our hypothesis. These are our bets. And it depends then how you perceive risk, because what I always say to people is like, well, you don't expect conversion to be the same when you launch, right? And if people are like, yeah, yeah, we expect it to go up. I'm like, okay, you're probably going to be surprised because whenever you make big change, especially if you're trying to target a new audience, it's likely that your conversion will go down to start off with because they're not used to using your website. You might not be attracting the right people. You have to do so much to then learn from that to get back to where you were before and then hopefully meet a new optimum. Um, so yeah, I think it's more people's perception of risk and whether they're prepared for the fact that to take a risk, it usually doesn't work first time. You have to make that move and then build on it and learn from there. Yeah, there's loads of good stuff in that. And and I think that's what good product strategy is, right? Like nothing's guaranteed. We can look at the evidence and come up with strategies that we think will move the needle but eventually it comes down to where we're going to place these big bets um and ha have we got enough of a hunch and enough evidence to suggest this is the best place like hopefully you know we've, we've talked a lot on the series about product discovery and hopefully you've gone out there you've done user research you've tested an idea you've got some user feedback you've created a prototype you're getting confidence 
And then you're thinking, yeah, there's something in this. We've, we've got as much confidence as we can possibly have to go and build this thing. But yeah, you don't know until it's out there, do you, um, properly? But if you don't take that risk, you're not going to find out either. Um, so yeah, there's some great stuff in there, I feel. No, and I think on that term, obviously anyone that's building a startup, for example, everything you're doing is a risk. Like you don't know if your startup is going to work or not. You can build that evidence because you can look at the market, you can look at customers, you can identify pain points to solve, but you don't know if you're going to do it. But then if you move beyond that, whether you're scaling up or if you're in a big organization, you're usually in a position where you can hedge your bets. So you don't just have to do one thing that's a risk. You can work on the stuff that you know already is bringing in the income you know it works for your customers but you can take a risk in a different area of the business so by doing that you can learn but you can still be confident that you're not going to totally screw up because you've got your standard customer base that you know is going to keep buying your product or whatever you're selling yeah cool and then we've got um one more question uh, and this one's like one for me and you that someone put in again former guest actually uh nico has asked um for us to look into the future a bit and say where we see ourselves professionally in five years. So yeah, do you want to go first on that, Easy? Yeah. I mean, I don't I really can't answer this question with any ease because for anyone that doesn't know, everything that I've done has evolved so much even over the last two years. Um, I always thought that I'd just stay in the product career and then become like head of product, become VP, et cetera, et cetera. And then now obviously I've gone freelance and what I choose to work on seems to vary every six months based on what I learn and what I see that I like. Um, I hope that I'm still working in the freelancing space in five years. Um, I really like the diverse opportunities of working with so many different people and being able to always create something that I'm passionate about but I don't even know where I'm going to be living in a year so <laughs> I wish I could answer beyond that but honestly it's quite exciting to see how life unfolds I just keep saying it's nice to feel like every year I'm opening a new chapter of a book and I don't 100% know what's going to happen so yeah I don't know if we're still recording this in five years we'll see see how everything turned out I mean I'm not gonna lie Evie if I found out that you ended up joining the corporate world again I'd be a bit disappointed. I do. I take a lot of joy in the fact that you're off being a digital nomad and, and doing all this great consultancy work. So keep on fighting the good fight. Uh, it gives a lot of people hope, I think, and a lot of aspiration to, to aim at. So keep doing what you do. And what about you? Where do you think you see yourself? Oh, it's so tricky. Like I was thinking back. So five years ago, um, yeah, I was still working in, in, in marketing. I'm not sure if I was either, I was either at, an agency at that point or I just joined Manchester Digital one of the two can't quite think but at that point I hadn't even heard a product so it's it's quite hard to know well what am I going to be in five years because you know five years ago I, I, I couldn't have even told you this role existed but let's imagine that I stay in product which I'd be very very surprised if I didn't because I do feel like I've stumbled across something that like really um neatly ties into my interests and, and and what I'm good at as well um I think for a long time my, when I found out about product my goal was like I want to get into product and then I did get into product and then it was because I was an associate then I was I want to get promoted and I got promoted and then I always had a thing about working at the BBC and I've been really lucky like I'm now at the BBC as a senior product manager and like you know I'm really really grateful for that path but I think I'm in a really interesting place where it's like I've always kind of known what the next thing is. 
but at this point I really don't and I, I don't see that as a problem I see it as quite exciting because it could either be do I want to go and this is like a, a really common topic that you hear people talk about do I want to become a manager of product managers and go down as you mentioned that like head of head of product route if you know if if that unfolds for me or do I want to be a, a really good individual contributor and, and and maybe go into contracting or, or something along those lines and truth be told I don't know um at the minute I'm just really enjoying what I'm doing I still feel like I, like I said I've only been in it for three years so I've still got a lot to learn um so I'm kind of hedging my bets and seeing I'm gonna I, I've made a plan for myself to start trying to dip my toe into the water of line management a bit um, this year I'm going to try and get some mentoring experience and, and, and volunteer some of my time helping other product people and, and see if I enjoy that. Um, if I absolutely hate it, then, you know, that that might answer a question that I don't care about other people's problems. I, I don't even like my problems. So maybe I should just stick to being an individual contributor, be that at the BBC or a different company or, or as I say, like maybe work for myself. I'm not sure. Um so I suppose, yeah, I'm sitting on the fence a little bit. I think it'll be either one of those two things or maybe I'll be in a completely different job I've never even heard of, like like happened five years ago, we'll see. Yeah, we don't even know how this world will expand. It's mm. like product could change in so many ways. So I don't know, the world of technology is changing so much at the moment, isn't it? But mm. I think as long as you're doing the things that you just mentioned where you go, well, I might do this route, I might do this route, so let me try and experiment and dip my toe in this area and see if I like it or not, then I think as long as you keep doing those things, but you have a vision as to a rough direction in which you want to go, you usually end up in a good place. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that brings us nicely to the end of the episode. Um, we've been really proud of the fact that we've not had to edit any episode so far. And this is the first time someone's walked in. We knew it would happen at some point. I know. So, I'm fuming. <laughs> it's happened. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's a little uh, look behind the curtain for how uh, rough and ready this podcast has been. Yeah, but, but that's been part authentic. of the fun. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah. I will see you on the other side, Evie. Enjoy your travels. And yeah, for everyone that's been listening, we've really, really appreciated it. Can't believe how many regular listeners we've 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 amassed in a short space of time and the questions we've been receiving. So thanks for everyone's support and we will see you in series two. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe so you get to hear about our latest episodes as soon as they land or dive into our archives and check out some of our earlier episodes. If you're a fan of the show, we'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to recommend the show on social media or leave some feedback wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening.